Hello, it's the December DCM podcast. Can you believe it's December? My name is Tom, and this month I'm joined by Rob Lee, who is head of screen content at View Cinemas, one of the world's largest cinema exhibitors. Hi, Rob, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you believe it's December? I can just about believe it. With the films coming out, you kind of get a feel for it. Yeah, that, that's straight on topic. This, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> um, that's my life. So as we're approaching the end of the year, I thought it best to do some kind of review of 2023 and then a brief look ahead to 2024. But before we do that, though, I will do my usual quick summary of what's happening in cinemas at the moment and over the last month. The big story over the last month in cinema has been the success of Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Would you agree, Rob? I think so. Yeah, I mean, we we it started looking very good for us as soon as it went on sale, and uh, yeah, we we thought it might be a little bit niche, but it's ended up really attracting a mainstream audience. It's been great. Yeah, it opened on the twenty fourth of November and has already crossed the ten million mark at the box office and is closing in on one million DC admissions. Now, I think this is terrific news for at least a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's further proof that audiences will go to the cinema for serious adult drama, and it's also the second Apple TV film in cinemas over the last couple of months that has proven a, a big success after Killers of the Flower moon so it shows that apple uh, and the streaming platforms are really getting behind cinema now we have to wait until early february for their next release with matthew vaughan's argyle but also in cinemas at the moment and creating quite a lot of buzz is emerald fennel's salt burn now this one didn't open too impressively but it's now on its fourth week and has barely declined at all over the three weeks to date the buzz on this one seems to be amazing doesn't it yeah i mean it's really surprised us it's, it's given us a bit of a challenge kind of seeing the cinemas it's working out and then just keeping it in cinema week after week because yeah that audience it just seems to be building word of mouth another one it's another adult drama that proves that uh, cinema goers want to see strong adult drama at the cinema and in cinemas from today so just to let you know we're recording on friday the 8th of december is wonka now i've not seen it yet have you rob I have seen it, yeah. I was uh, very lucky enough to see it uh, a little bit early as we as we do in our roles, which is very nice. And yeah, it absolutely delivers. It's a fantastic family Christmas film. The you know, it's not set explicitly at Christmas, but it feels incredibly Christmassy. You'll, you'll be watching it over Christmas holidays for forevermore now. So that's quite good that it doesn't. It's not set at Christmas because that means it will probably play strongly after Christmas as well, won't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean. We've found recently you can even show the likes of Home Alone after Christmas and people still keep coming. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it should live on into January. Well, I think we might talk about Wonka a little bit later as well. But in the next few weeks, we have Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom on the 21st of December. Rom-coms are back with anyone but you starring Sidney Sweeney and Glenn Powell. On Boxing Day, we have Michael Mann's Ferrari starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. And on the same day, we also have Taika Waititi's Next Goal Wins starring Michael Fassbender about the record-breaking American Samoa football team. And then also on that day, we have Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron, one of the greatest animation film uh, directors of all time, with what was supposed to be his swan song, but I think he's confirmed he's going to do another film now. He's now well into his 80s, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I love Studio Ghibli releases. So I kind of, I think of myself as like a fair weather anime fan. I kind of, you know, come out for the Studio Ghiblis. And, uh, but yeah, they always deliver. And yeah, I'm really excited to see it. It looks spectacular. And as we move into January... On the 1st of January, we've got Anthony Hopkins in One Life, which is a remarkable true story. Uh, then the big awards contender, Poor Things, is on the 12th of January. Have you seen Poor Things, Rob? I have not. I have a few of, uh, few of my colleagues have seen it, and they absolutely love it. It's the best film of the year. Really? That, yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah. getting talked about as, like, the best film of the year or one of the best films of the year. It's going to be a major awards contender, but the awards next year are going to be hotly contested with Poor Things and Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon and some other titles, Past Lives as well. So let's get on to 2023 and reviewing what's happened over the last year. Rob, you are head of screen content at View. View, for those who don't know, I'm sure people know, operates uh, 226 sites. 
That sounds about right. I, I'm UK, so I, I know the UK number's better. Is it 91 in the UK? It's 92 as of today. We've opened our 92nd cinema right now. Hot so, off the press, yes, guys. Yeah, in Swindon. This is not an exclusive. It's public knowledge, but we can <laughs> pretend it's an exclusive. Can you tell us a little bit about your role as head of screen content and what that involves? And also maybe give us a bit of background on how you got into this position. Yeah, sure. So um, head of sc well, screen content, first of all, kind of froze people a little bit. Other other cinema chains tend to call this role film buying or film booking, which hopefully gives you a bit more of an idea of what we do. We're basically responsible for building the film schedules. So when you go to the cinema, what film you see, where and when, which sounds like it should be sort of straightforward. And, you know, do you need a team of people to be able to do that? The way I'd look at it is we have 27,000 shows a week on a typical week. So there's a huge amount of value to be driven by making sure you have the perfect mix of films. So, for example, you might find that Wish Family Animation, the perfect time for that is 3 p.m. in Glasgow Fort, uh, in, also in Scotland, whereas just down the road in Hamilton, the perfect time might be 4 p.m. So it may only be you know, five, five tickets sold uh, in terms of difference of getting those times right. But when you multiply that up over a full week of thousands and thousands of sessions, I'd say it makes a makes a big difference. So that's it's, it can be that nuanced, you know, between three and four p.m. You know, deciding where to put put a specific film. Yeah, and what we found is that that level of nuance, a human mind can't sort of possibly comprehend all of that all that detail. So we use an AI enhanced system to assist our scheduling. We there's still a huge amount of human intervention, and it's it's kind of an art and a science in terms of forecasting how we think the film will perform, what films we think they'll behave similar to. But yeah, using a system that looks at over a decade of our of our performance data to inform those decisions, uh, yeah, allows us to have a really diverse and a schedule that hopefully will be very different if you go to View Islington versus if you go to Wood Green uh, just down the road again. But yet, yeah, quite a different sort of mix of films that people like to see at those two different locations. And what do you find is the biggest challenge in your ro in your role? I think I think the biggest challenge is, uh, and probably also the most kind of an enjoyable challenge is seeing a film and then deciding what that what that will behave like so if we look at five nights at freddy's recently a horror film uh, at its kind of heart we looked at that and said okay it's going to behave like any other recent horror film like you know pray for the devil or a uh, barbarian when in reality it skewed much younger had a much younger family audience um or obviously older families because it was a it was uh, order rated, but still played much uh, earlier in the day. So we we sort of missed missed a trick on that one, and, and realised actually a film that we were mainly scheduling at sort of 9 p.m. should have been available at 3 p.m. for the for the kind of teenager uh, video game fans who are coming out to it. So yeah, you can, even though it can seem very obvious at times, like it's a horror. You there is a, always a uh, kind of extra level of detail with each individual release. And it shows you that you have to think about in every film individually as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you can never get complacent. You can never just assume, you know, all family films are the same or all, all horrors are the same. Yeah, every film is, is slightly different. So how did you get into this role? So I've been at View for nine years now. I started my career in property, but that's not, not particularly exciting. The, the reason I decided to go or wanted to go work in film and cinema is because I loved film. I wanted to do something more in line with kind of my passions. And uh, so the role in uh, pricing opened up at View. So again, another role that maybe people don't necessarily kind of associate as a, as a specific job role. But yeah, for, for many years, I was the head of, well, for a number of years, I was the head of pricing uh, at View. So we did a lot of exciting things with dynamic pricing and again, kind of optimizing through that, through that way. And quite proud in terms of what we did on value. We made cinema, I think, a lot more accessible. We, we brought a lot more people into cinema. 
um, because we were told for years that cinema was too expensive and so we wanted to sort of change that and make it so you know, everyone could afford to come to cinema. And view pr- and view tickets are are known for being reasonably priced as well, aren't they? Yeah, and that's our kind of one of our key, I guess, brand messages: the fact that we are we we, we do champion value. We also have plenty of more premium options. You can choose to sit in uh, VIP seats or one of our recliner cinemas, or you can go see a film in IMAX. So there are there are plenty of ways to upgrade your experience, but. You know, at its at its core, it, we always want to make sure that every film, every time, is accessible to all customers. Okay, so I have a number of questions, but I'm assuming we'll come to them over the next sort of few minutes. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the biggest, the five biggest films of 2023 in terms of box office and admissions, and then we're going to talk about your five favourite films of 2023, and then we're going to look at maybe five or more films that we're looking forward to in 2024. So let's go through the five biggest films of 2023. I mean. The biggest film of 2023 is a was a genuine phenomenon, and it'd be interesting to get your perspective on this. Barbie is the biggest film of 2023. It's grossed 95.6 million pounds. It's I think the fifth biggest film of all time um, in terms of DCM admissions. That's eight and a half million DCM admissions. For those of you who are interested in TVRs, it's delivered a remarkable 43, 16, 34 women TVRs, which is incredible. Um, uh, I'm sure um, uh, anyone who's listening who understands what that means will be amazed at that. So I don't think anyone predicted Barbie being a 95.6 million pounds film, Rob. At what point did you realize it was going to be way bigger than the industry was expecting? I, I think from the very early early days where we saw Greta Gerwig was involved, we kind of knew this was this wasn't going to be a straight up Barbie adaptation. And whenever it was dismissed as you know this is a film for thirteen year olds and just kids, it, you know we we never thought that was the case. So we always had fairly high expectations. I remember we had a lot of discussions with our colleagues at Warner Brothers and we were partners at Warner Brothers, I should say, and we were uh, we were kind of really confident on this being plus 50 million which you know in our terms makes a film very very big you know easily into the top one or two of the year as you said we just never never considered that it would be you know 55 maybe but never never the likes of kind of getting up to 90. I think once this once it went on sale and we we put both Oppenheimer and Barbie on sale at relatively similar times once we started to see those pre-sales coming in that's when it kind of became undeniable and I think it was probably only around a week before that it really started to get to the case where we were saying, this can't be right. This is, we've never seen anything like this. And obviously it went on to be the biggest week for us in terms of cinema admissions of all time. 95.6 million, which is, as I said, the fifth biggest film of all time. It did that without premium large format screens as well, you know, which obviously is a great ticket price. Had it not, I mean, it's obviously, had it not been up against Oppenheimer, it probably wouldn't have got to that level. And, you know, the two films kind of spurred each other on. But uh, it's just one of the all-time great box office runs, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I think you can't you can't separate it from Oppenheimer. I absolutely agree that neither of those films, but, uh, I think it's fair to say both of them benefited from each other and yeah spurred each other on to those incredible numbers the second biggest film of 2023 is Oppenheimer which to date has grossed 58.2 million pounds is it coming back into cinemas between now and the end of the year uh not for us before the end of the year but we are planning on bringing it back uh in the sort of run-up to the award season so we like to play the the big 
uh, kind of the films most nominated. So we'll certainly be having it in our in our screens again. So it's currently on fifty eight point two million. It will be increase on that slightly early next year that's over 4 million DCM admissions and that's 16 16 34 adult TVRs which I think is also a remarkable number considering this is a three hour adult drama about the man who created the atomic bomb uh, to get such a high proportion of 16 34 adults in uh, I think is remarkable and also testament to the pulling power of Christopher Nolan uh, as, as we've already touched on this and Barbie Barbenheimer as they are known delivered the biggest week for cinema admissions in over 10 years the biggest week for the box office ever isn't it yeah and our our biggest week ever yeah and it also is worth highlighting that these are two really good films yeah yeah absolutely i mean i I feel like oppenheimer is almost the more surprising who would have thought that a three-hour challenging quality drama um, about the atomic bomb could possibly be bigger than all of Nolan's Batman films. It's just insane. It's almost more surprising than Barbie. Yeah, that's amazing. It is it, it is bigger than the Dark Knight trilogy and bigger than Dunkirk. The two biggest films of the year are two of the best films of the year, and I think that's uh, uh, an incredible result. And the third biggest film of the year is the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is the biggest animated film, the biggest family film of 2023. I think it's the fourth biggest animation of all time, is it? Yeah, I mean, I always lose track of those because it depends whether you include the likes of The Lion King, the, the live action in inverted commons version. So uh, Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't include that, but I, I can see why some someone might. But either way, it's uh, grossed £54.5 million. That's £5.4 million DCM admissions. And again, 16, 16, 34 adult TVRs showing that the big animations and the big what we would call family films still attract a high proportion of 16, 34 adults. Have you seen it? I have seen it, yeah. I feel like it's a film that the reviews were a little bit dismissive of. There were there was the odd one-star review in some of the, the broadsheet papers. And I remember reading a line which said something like, well, it's fine for kids, but what are adults going to get out of this? Which is just ridiculous. It's a you know it's a family film designed for, for families and children. And they loved it. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is the fourth biggest film of the year. So just showing you that if you make a good comic book film, people will still come out for them. It's grossed £36.7 million. That's 3.2 million DC emissions and 11 1634 adult TVRs. And again, this was a good film. You know, we've, it has been a, a rocky year for comic book films, but this and the fifth film we're going to talk about prove that if you make a good one, people will still come out for them, won't they? Yeah, I think so. I mean, who, who would have thought, if you go back to where Marvel started with, with Iron Man, you could take, I, mean, I know they were worried about even having the Guardians of the Galaxy as an original film and having a character like Rocket the Raccoon. The idea that you could then have a couple of years later a film completely centred around uh, a raccoon and it can do over 30 million kind of shows how, you know, how incredible the MCU is. And I rewatched it recently uh, at home. I saw it at the cinema uh, opening night, thank you. And I rewatched it at home recently, and I think it holds up. I think it's, uh, I think it's better than the second Guardians of the Galaxy film and maybe as good as the first one. Yeah, I, I I love the first one. It's probably my favourite MCU film, so it, it doesn't touch that for me. But I did think that 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 core Rocket story and was very emotional, and uh, yeah, it's, it's quite sad watching what happens to his uh, various cuddly little friends. Yep. Then the fifth biggest film of 2023, and we're only talking about films released in 2023, is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which has grossed £30.8 million to date, 2.9 million DCM admissions, and 10 1634 adult TVRs. Now, I liked the first one a lot. I thought the first one was terrific. And I hesitated a bit before watching this one. And then I saw it, and I was actually blown away by how good this was. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I mean, th- this is one that completely caught us out. We you know, Obviously, we love the first film, but kind of question, does it need a sequel? The whole point of the first one was that it's so original. 
Um, but it, yeah, it delivered. It was. I think. I think it's a better film. It's. It's. It's kind of more serious in tone, and it kind of leads to a, a big cliffhanger. So I'm excited about the next one as well. Yeah, I was actually blown away by the twists and turns in this. It felt completely like it just took me by surprise. I don't th- know if it was just because I was so immersed in the visuals and um, the world that it created, but when the big twists happened, I was literally like, I hadn't seen it coming. I literally. I. Pr- I probably audibly um made a sound that that because i was so surprised and i just think it looks so incredible every single shot looks is like a work of art i just think this is an absolutely brilliant film yeah i saw somebody actually say on uh x uh, the other day that uh, every single scene on that film could be a poster and you can you can basically just put the logo on any on any scene and it still looks like a perfect poster yeah and i can't wait for the third one now i will not be hesitating about the third one i will be going to see that opening day so that's the top five films of 2023 barbie oppenheimer the super mario brothers movie gardens of galaxy volume three and spider-man across the spider-verse now obviously it's easy to say this but i think that if you looked at the top five films of any year in the last decade they probably wouldn't be as good as that top five I think you've got three brilliant films in there. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is very is good, and the Super Mario Brothers movie as well. I think so. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I don't think you'd ever see it as an original top two as that. Yeah. To, 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 I mean, obviously, Barbie's based on existing IP, but it's an original film. So for Barbie and Oppenheimer to be one and two is a it's a fantastic place to finish. Yeah, I think there's th- three absolutely brilliant films in that top five. We're, now we're going to talk about your top five films of 2023. Do you want to t- tell us about your first choice? Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I will cheat a little bit and just say Barbie is ultimately my best film of the year. I just, I think of the way that delivered in terms of being outrageously fun, musical, or musical elements with incredible, uh, hilarious lead performances, but also really impactful satire, moving uh, the way it explored patriarchy and the end it built to with the kind of where the Billie Eilish. Uh, song comes onto it I just I thought it's absolutely perfect so we'll we'll skip over it because we've already discussed it but it's kind of a miracle Barbie yeah, isn't it just yeah. that it all came together so well yeah. I, I yeah I mean I any list I see on, on top films of the year that doesn't put Barbie as number one I don't, I don't know what they were watching well even Sight and Sound had it in their top five yeah. you know Sight and Sound I, had, I think funnily enough had Sight, and, uh, Sight and Sound had Oppenheimer and Barbie fifth equal which I, th- I, I feels a bit contrived, but also I, I would like to think that just happened automatic, happened organically. Yeah, I saw The Guardian put Oppenheimer as their 32nd best film of the year. Yeah. Sure, Christopher Nolan was uh, delighted to see. Yeah, but your number one is? Uh, so my number one outside of outside of those two is Talk To Me, I think. And I'm, I'm a big horror fan, so there's been some great horror films this year and you can kind of look at a few, few together. But yeah, Talk To Me, I think, stands out as the, the best horror of the year. Now... I really wanted to go and see this because everyone said it was great, but I struggle with horror films. I get scared, essentially. I'm not afraid. Uh, that's, that's the idea. I'm not afraid. Yeah, but then I but then I take it home with me. I take it home with me and I live by myself and it's just like every I just lie in bed and I hear creaking noises and I'm like, Oh gosh, I can't sleep now. But this one, it's from the two it's from Raka Raka, the two YouTubers, Michael and Danny Philippou, isn't it? That's right, yeah. And this is their debut film and I I find these two of two fascinating characters. They just seem like really interesting fun guys who have made this absolutely knockout horror film yeah it reminds me a bit of the uh the daniels with uh everything everywhere all at once kind of to an extent come out of nowhere and kind of delivered these in- incredible films and it's been interesting because I've, he- I've, re- I've read them in, in in interviews and seen them talk a lot about how obviously they built their career on st- youtube and on streaming but they were very clear they wanted to make a film for cinema yeah and you'd watch it and you'd never you'd never think you know, this is their first fully theatrical film. It uh, you know feels very assured and yeah, very tight directing. It's been a good year for horror, hasn't it? You know, I mean, it, we've said that 
I think it seems over the last few years, but this year has been a, a really good year for horror. Um, I have actually seen some horror films this year, um, but I, I see the ones that aren't that scary, like Megan. Yeah, I was going to say, Meg, the, key, the key to me, I, I went with my... Uh with my girlfriend to Megan and uh, she really enjoyed it as well despite not really liking horror films because it is it is more of a thriller I think yeah. it's almost more of a comedy Megan yeah and I think a few of the horror films this year have had uh, had comedic elements well we'll talk a bit about the horror films we're looking forward to in 2024 shortly but what's your number two film of the year so number two for me is Suzume which is the uh, Shinkei animation this is one I have not seen and what what did you like about this one I just think, as as I referenced earlier, I'm a you know I am a fair weather anime fan. I come out for the the biggest ones, but I always absolutely love them when I see them. Um, I, we talked about Spider Verse animation being incredible. This to me is actually I actually just prefer this style, the kind of more traditional, the way it gives you the views of Japan. It, it it kind of feels more like being in Japan than if you're watching a live action film of Japan in a, in a strange way. Particularly like the subtle elements. So when when the characters are like looking at their phones and going onto Google Maps, seeing that kind of hand drawn, just yeah, it's uh, really uh, unique. And anime is getting increasingly popular in UK cinemas, isn't it? We're seeing every few, uh, every couple of months now we get a, an anime film that seems to break out a little bit. Yeah, I think that we're certainly finding there's more and more of an audience for it. Um, you've also got Godzilla minus one, which uh, not an anime, but I think largely similar. Obviously, distributed Japanese by audience. an anime exactly. company. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have to rename themselves. Yeah. Uh, so that's Suzume. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Which, yeah, not not maybe the most uh, you know high pro- high profile release of the year, but just a really charming film. So this is an adaptation of Judy Bloom's book. It was in cinemas in April. I have seen this film. I would potentially put it in my top five as well. I thought this was just almost the best possible adaptation they could have made of this book. Have you have you read the book? Yeah, I have read the book. Yeah, and have you? I have not. No, I, I had I had not even heard of the book. I know it is a sort of rite of passage in the US, but yeah, I wasn't. I've got aware. two older sisters who are big Judy yeah. Bloom fans. All oh, right. Okay. So I read a few Judy Bloom books growing up. I mean, t- taught me everything I know about. Um, those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, it was just beautifully made, wasn't it? And I, Rachel McAdams is just an, a wonderful actor. Yeah. Uh, to me, what stand, stood out on it is the is the sort of how, how you feel like you're in the 70s, the, the set design, the costumes. It's just a bit, it reminds me a bit of Mad Men. You just completely believe you're living in that. Well, it, ma- it makes me want to kind of be in that world. And Benny Safdie played uh, the young girl's dad, could see him in a more gentle family film. It was not a family film as such, but he's always in sort of edgy thrillers, isn't he? Yeah, he had obviously a, a more uh, a more um, serious role in Oppenheimer. So, uh, yeah, he's had a good year. So that's I There Got It's Me, Margaret. What's your number four film? My number four film is Rye Lane. The British film, which from Rain Allen Miller, Miller which won an award at the Biffers last weekend, didn't it? I think it won Best Breakthrough Performance. This is all set in South London. This is a great film. I, I really loved this one as well. Yeah, I think that, that like I say, it's, it's the setting for me that, um, that that did it kind of as, you know, obviously Londoners. Uh, I don't live in Rye Lane exactly, but you, it just feels like London. It feels like they really captured uh, a day in London and kind of just, yeah, the everyday life that you see as they're, they're traversing their way around the town. Yeah, I watched this and I came out of it thinking, why don't we do films like that more often? You know, America is very good at, romanticizing the neighborhoods they live in you seem to watch these american films that capture something about their neighborhoods and then you don't ever see that with london and if they do it makes things look grotty but this one i mean i go to whenever i go to peckham or brixton i have a great time and i really enjoy being there and this gave me a sense of what it was like every time i went there 
Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's the the energy, and it like like you said, it's we've got another rom com coming soon for Christmas. This this is a rom com. It feels like they're starting to come back into cinema. It certainly feels like there is a kind of pent up demand for the, just those light, kind of romantic dramas. So, what's your fifth film of the year? My fifth film has just come out today. Is Wonka? I knew we were going to mention it again. Yeah. Uh, it's that good, is it? It is that good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know why we should be surprised. It's Paul King. Paul King directed Paddington one and two, which are two of the best films of their kind. So these family, all ages, accessible films that everyone can enjoy, that three generations of people can sit down and watch together. He has made two of the best films of probably of all time, I think. Yeah, I mean, Paddington 2, is it the highest ever rated on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, it's it's 99%, isn't it? It was 100, but I think someone gave it a sniffy review. (laughs) But they're brilliant films. And he's got this amazing grasp of tone and, you know, whimsy and humour and not straying into being cloying or sentimental yeah and he manages to kind of set it in the real world and for talking about paddington um you know there's a talking bear walking around no one really questions it and you as you as an audience don't question it you just kind of accept that is the world that they live in very quickly and another film which makes london look great as well yeah so it's slightly uh, i guess uh, more of the notting hill side of london but yeah yeah does one could do that <laughs> well i think some of it was filmed potentially in london but it's not it's set in a sort of unnamed european city oh is it okay yeah, yeah. i wasn't aware it, do, of that. it does look like a delightful town but it's i think it has a sort of madrid feel to it almost oh, okay well i'm going to go see it this weekend it's the big film for christmas it's going to be running throughout christmas uh, so if you haven't had a ch- if you don't get a chance to see it opening weekend which you should see it opening weekend go see it over christmas and make sure you buy some sweets because it'll make you hungry. So that's the top Rob's top five films of 2023. Talk to me, Suzume, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, Rye Lane and Wonka. Five really lovely films I've not seen Suzume, but I will watch that very soon. Now let's talk about five films or however many films we like that we're looking forward to in 2024. There's plenty to look forward to next year, isn't there? Yeah, yeah I think so. There's... Um it's not a year largely for kind of the big superhero films. It's it, We've got kind of more interesting um, original releases. So, yeah, I think that's yeah, some exciting So what stuff. film are you most looking forward to next year? I think probably right at the end of the year um, we have Wicked. So I think I, I've seen the musical, I think I went at the end of last year. Uh, it's just a really, I mean, fantastic songs. Uh, and for a musical, really good narrative, like really good twists and turns and the way it ties into the to the original book and film. So and I think with the cast we've got for that it should be yeah should be a big hit. So that's a good choice because my one of my things that I've said is early in 2024 I'm going to go to the to to Victoria. I think it's the Palace Theatre, isn't it? It's Sunday Victoria. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and see the stage show because I've never seen the stage show and I love a uh, big musical. But this is directed by John M. Chu who made In the Heights, which I thought was terrific. I absolutely loved In the Heights. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't actually realise it was him directing, but yeah, I yeah, love I that. Yeah, I think it is. And it's Cynthia Erivo and Ariana Grande. This could easily be the biggest film of next year as well, couldn't it? Could be the biggest film the year after as well because it's in two parts. So, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's part one is uh, November the 29th, 2024. If I was looking forward to one film next year, um, and I've made a list of five that I w- I'm really looking forward to. 29th of March, Mickey 17. Yeah, so it's, um, it's a follow-up to Parasite, I guess. Isn't yeah, it? Bong yeah. Joon-ho's follow-up to yes. Parasite. I think Bong Joon-ho is an amazing filmmaker, and this is a sci-fi starring Robert Pattinson. And anything time Bong, Bong Joon-ho makes a film, I'm like, well, I'll be there. Uh, and that's on the 29th of March. Is there another film you're looking forward to? If, I think it's very mysterious at this stage, the Ryan Reynolds, uh, John Krasinski directed film about, I think, I think we know it's about imaginary friends. I think that's what IF stand, it's yeah, a, it stands yeah. for, isn't it? Imaginary friends. Yeah, this, 
Um, we saw some footage of this at Cine Europe, didn't we? We did. I think uh, probably can't talk too much about it, but yeah, I think it's made me very excited for it. it I think it, it has been described as a live-action Pixar film, hasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. Which, like that, as selling points go, that sounds like a good one. Yeah, and the cast is amazing, isn't it? So you've got it's directed by John Krasinski, uh, who seems to have got all his mates in it. So it's um, Ryan Reynolds is the lead. Emily Blunt voices one of the characters. Mm-hmm. Doesn't she? Steve Carell. Yeah, Phoebe well. Waller-Bridge. It's out on the 24th of May. It should be one of the, like, I would think like Wonka for all ages, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. We obviously haven't seen a lot, but I feel like it's one that's going to really surprise people. I, obviously, it's not. It, there's, there's not a trailer yet, so there's not a lot to go on. But all, with those ingredients, it sounds very good. I'm very excited also in May for The Fall Guy which also stars Emily Blunt. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that trailer, it's it's very much centred on the cast. And I mean, Ryan Gosling coming off of uh, Barbie, it, it feels like it should really deliver. So what was the third film that you're looking forward to? So right at the start of the year, I'm pretty excited for Mean Girls. That is an adaptation of the Broadway musical, which is an adaptation of the teen comedy, which is in cinemas on the 17th of January. Why are you looking forward to this? I love the original film. I, you can rewatch it at, at, at nauseum and it always holds up. I watched it just the other day and it's still yeah, hilarious and uh, yeah, kind of captures that moment. Very, very funny film. Uh, Lindsay Lohan at her, probably her best p- performance, I would say. I would definitely say that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, she, I think she was good in Freaky Friday as well. Um, but yeah, I, can't, I love Meeting Girls and I have a friend who's seen the Broadway musical and said that the songs are very good. Yeah, I mean that that's the one question mark I have because the the trailer doesn't really give anything away when it comes to the to the music so I'm very interested to see what the how the songs are. Yeah, I don't know why distributors don't like admitting that their films are musicals. Yeah, same for Wonka. You you wouldn't I think as an audience member you wouldn't necessarily know that Wonka's a musical. But it is a full-on musical, isn't it? Like yeah, you start very much singing so. at the yeah. very start, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, they kind of it's it's a classic kind of sing sing what you're doing musical. So that's Mean Girls on the 17th of January. I'm going to bring up a film that I'm looking forward to, which is Furiosa on the 24th of May. The trailer came out last week. This is the new film from George Miller, who directed Mad Max Fury Road. It's a prequel starring Anya Taylor-Joy as Furiosa, who was Charlize Theron's character. Mad Max Fury Road is one of the best action films of the last decade. When we think of cinematic experiences, I I can't think of many more impactful and sort of better memories for myself of seeing, seeing something on the screen in cinema. So... It looks very much like more of the same, but I think that's uh, that's a very good thing in this case. Yeah, I mean, George Miller is 78 now and he's still directing action as well as anyone. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see this. It also stars Chris Hemsworth. Um, it's Furiosa. It's in cinemas on the 24th of May. What's the fourth film you're most looking forward to? So when we, when we talk about horror, one of my favourite horror films of all time is uh, It Follows. And uh, there's been a sequel greenlit for They Follow, which I'm hoping may make it to cinema next year. We don't have an official date yet. Uh, but I'm very excited for it. It Follows is a horror film that I've been able to watch and I absolutely loved it. One of the most inventive, fun horror films. Not too scary, but also very creepy. That will be a horror film sequel that I will definitely be there for. It's They Follows. We doesn't have a release date yet, but a film, a horror film that does have a release date that I'm very excited about and another horror film that I was able to see at cinema was A Quiet Place. And also I saw A Quiet Place Part 2 and they're doing a prequel, A Quiet Place Day 1, which is out on the 28th of June, which stars Lupita Nyong'o and Jimin Hunsu, who I think is the only actor who's been in a previous Quiet Place film, maybe. I might have made that up. I love A Quiet Place, and, I, and this is obviously day one when the aliens first arrive. I can't wait to see this. Yeah, me too. I think mean, Quiet Place 2 had that sort of 10-minute section where you did get to see the sort of day one and uh, the aliens uh, kind of landing or coming on. And uh, yeah, I, I think it absolutely justified why you want to see a whole film of that. There was that scene in the trailer, wasn't there, with Emily Blunt 
reversing the car because there was a bus careering towards them and an alien's arm pop yeah. comes out. That was such a great scene in the trailer. I remember watching that trailer going, okay, I'm in straight away. Yeah. And So I think we've spoken about four films you're looking forward to. What's the fifth? The fifth film I'm looking forward to would be, uh, to bring it back to, to, to the world of Wonka, is Paddington in Peru. Uh, coming in in the end of the year yeah that's november the 8th this is the third paddington film if you aren't aware there is more paddington coming who doesn't want more paddington uh and this time he goes back to his homeland and who doesn't want to see paddington visiting his homeland it's going to be a, a christmas treat i mean christmas next year with paddington in peru wicked and the lion king mufasa i mean three massive films for uh family audiences yeah it's an amazing year for family uh, i mean at, at view we uh we families are kind of our core audience so yeah we're we're very excited about the kind of consistent family content inside out too uh i think it's yeah another one of my top picks and then i'm going to say what i feel the fifth film i'm most look, i'm looking forward to next year i'm just intrigued by it is joker folio adieu which is out in uh for the first friday of october next year i just have been absolutely captivated by lady gaga every time i've seen her in a film Dara's born and house of gucci and seeing her playing opposite joaquin phoenix as Harley Quinn, I think is going to be one of the must-see cinema experiences of 2024. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's a film that was so original and felt so self-standing. And you, when, when the discussion came around sequels, it, it's a bit like when people talk about should there be a sequel to Barbie, you kind of think about, you know, what, what would that be like? Um, so, yeah, I'm fascinated to see what they do with it. But Lady Gaga, you know, that, that feels like a, a safe bet to make that an, an interesting film. Yeah, I mean, she's a captivating presence, w- whatever she's doing. It's Joker Fully Adieu, which is out on the 4th of October. So that's all. That's I mean, it's been a great year, 2023, hasn't it? Yeah, I, it's a, I mean, we, we, it's a record-breaking year, ultimately, uh, both both in cinema with Barbenheimer and then just recently with Taylor Swift for, for uh, the more event cinema world, the biggest ever event. So whether you're on the film side or the event side, it's just record-breaking results. And what are you doing for Christmas, Rob? I'm at home with my with my family, relatively locally. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll make it to the cinema and go for a second and third visit to see Wonka again. Okay, live cinema. Well, thanks for joining me, Rob. Um, I'll be back in January um, where I'll probably do a full preview of 2024 and the films we can look forward to. Um, thanks for listening throughout 2023. Bye-bye.